Oh, hey, what's your name? Oh, hey, my name's Nacho Mama's Christian Podcast. My computer almost exploded. <laughs> That was way too loud. Oh. Gosh, what's wrong with you? That one goes out to your father-in-law, Ken. Oh gosh. <laughs> so <laughs> we always talk about. I always talk about how people don't like intros. He's listening. He uh-huh. listens to this. Oh yeah, he listens to every episode. <laughs> we appreciate it, Ken. <laughs> and, he, and he's an NYMer. He supports us um, on Patreon. Thanks so much. Um, That's so why I dedicate this to you. <laughs> so. Um, I know there's people that don't like the intros, and you're like, who? So the other day, we had a party for Brooklyn for, my, uh-huh. for her birthday, and Ken was there. And I know he doesn't like them. So I said, hey, hey, Shane. He's the only I, one I ever heard. I'm following like him. He's like, yeah, it's a little immature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, he, he was just like, yeah, I don't like it all. It's immature. He's like, yeah, well, I mean, it is. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> so that one goes out to you, Ken. <laughs> My main man. <laughs> I I actually hated that one though. Yeah. It literally like my like it was like so soft. I'm like, oh, I should maybe turn him up. Yeah, and then, and then all of a sudden it was blasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know what's gonna happen. So, hey, Eric, let me ask you a question. <laughs> you know, I hate when you do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just ask the question. Hey, did you see Captain Marvel? You know the answer. <laughs> I do. We saw it together. Yeah, we did. We saw it together Thursday so, night for. We Marvel movies, we go for the Thursday night showing. Yeah, for almost every single one, MCU movies. That's mm-hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Case you didn't know, it's yeah. Avenger stuff. Um, we won't always see like X Men. Then we won't always see Deadpool or whatever. Then we won't see some of those. But um, if it's Marvel, in the MCU, Mar- MCU movies, we will always see then. And so we saw Captain Marvel. And to be honest, I wasn't like super pumped for it because mm-hmm. I don't care about that character mm-hmm. just like i wasn't super pumped for dr strange because i don't care about that character um but it was the next movie for those of you that care about this which is probably not that many of you yeah it right was, it's a lot everybody cares about this not this part of it yeah. it was the next movie after the avengers infinity war which spoiler if you haven't seen it no don't give it away what don't this, give anything away I'm not giving the Captain, Mar- Captain Marvel away. No, I'm saying don't even give Avengers stuff away. Oh my gosh! If no, if people don't know about this, then then Just they don't, don't care. Don't be that person. After the major event that happened uh-huh. in Avengers, um, this is the most important movie. After that, mm-hmm. Ant Man came on after that, but that wasn't that important in the timeline stuff. So I was excited for that part of it. Yeah. I didn't care as much about um, the character Captain Marvel. Um, and I and it had nothing to do with it being the first female one because I really liked Wonder Woman. So I was like, I don't. If it's a good movie, I'm all for it. Yep, it's a good movie. Um, and I saw what. Did you like it? I enjoyed it. I thought that I thought that it was um that it was decent. It was a good movie. It's not my favorite Marvel movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it was in the middle of the path yeah. for me. Yeah, probably, I liked it. But in in MCU movies, it was probably in the bottom third for me. Yeah, it, it was like. 15 of my rankings. Yeah, out of because like I have an official. We have an official ranking like on. Oh, I need to update my on, on Excel. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, it, I thought that for Marvel to create a movie about a character that I know nothing about and really don't care about, um, and still have me invested and enjoying it the whole time. Yeah, is a testament to what Marvel can do. They just know how to make quality yeah. movies. Yeah, so I I enjoyed it. But it's not going to be like it's not going to be like Black Panther, you yeah, know that, that so sticks good. with you. It's not going to be like Iron yeah. Man or any of those sort of things. There, I think that it was there's decent. A, there's a bunch of things in it I didn't like that had nothing to do with 
um, what uh, most people talk about, which is the female aspect of it. It was other aspects I just didn't like. Yeah. I, I will say I, I'm all for the message of empowering women. I want I want my girls to see it Yep. Um, for that reason. I thought sometimes they pushed that too much and took away from the story, where Wonder Woman, I thought, did a better job of pushing that message without taking away from the story and character. Yeah. So that was the only difference. Is sometimes I feel like they were purposely pushed it too much, yeah. and it was like too heavy-handed. At the expense of the story. At the expense of the story. I don't mind the message. I actually like the message. I just would, I don't want it to sacrifice you, the character or story, which I think at times it did. Do you it, know who who does not like the message? <laughs> I... I saw some of the people that don't like the message. There are some people out there who really don't like the fact that, <gasps> heaven forbid, there's a woman superhero. I know. <laughs> Can you believe it? I know. There's who, people that are that Who allowed that? There's people that are mad because this is a man's world. Right. You can't be a hero. Yeah, come on. Heroes are reserved for men only. <laughs> and and here, here's something that really annoyed me before we get to what we're gonna, the main person we're going to talk about who really didn't like this. Um. I think people sometimes just, I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a certain mm-hmm. side that does this, but they just hate anything when it comes to super, super fem, like feminist stuff. Yeah. So anytime it's anything good that talks about women, they have to find a way to bash it for right, some reason. Right. Like, why? Like, I get you don't <laughs> like the extreme that feminists uh-huh. can be, um, but I, I think women should be considered equal. Yeah. And I like that my girls will have a movie that they can watch and be like, oh, I could be anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like them to think that. Right. I could grow up to be strong. <laughs> I could grow up to be a leader. I could grow up to do some things. Like, that is yeah. a positive message that we I could grow up be to sending. be a lead pastor of a church. <gasps> which we believe you can. We fully believe <laughs> you can uh, here on Mama's Christian But there are some Christians that don't. Honestly... Most For in Christian in the Christian world, we are in the minority. Yeah, that's true. To and and I completely understand that. Not even just lead past, but like pastor in general. Yes. Um. And and I understand Instead, they can only be directors. Yes. Yeah. If you if you go to a church staff page and you see a bunch of female uh-huh. directors because they're not allowed to be a pastor. Um. And so that's kind of we're we're on the opposite side of that. Um. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that um are on the side of they shouldn't be pastors and um. I know uh, a guy who's been getting in trouble a lot lately is John Piper about yeah. some of that stuff. Um, I mean, honestly, he's saying what he believes, so mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with most of the stuff he say when it comes to um, females. Yeah. But um, he's saying what's on that side. He's not scared to say it because mm-hmm. culture around him is changing. Yeah. I just think it's wrong. Um, but one of the websites that I think he kind of helps start, or I know he does a lot on, is Desiring God, which yeah. they do some pretty good exegetical work, which is a fancy term to... By like breaking down, breaking down the scripture, the context, the culture, the yeah. history. So the I'll I'll look at a lot of that when I'm doing like sermon prep, even though there there's some things that I don't agree with theologically. But they've been getting in trouble recently uh, <laughs> because uh, who is the author's name? Shane. His name is Greg Morse. Yeah, he did not like Captain Marvel. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here's the title of the article that he wrote: "Behold Your Queen." <laughs> <laughs> the real conflict in Captain Marvel. This is, if you have not seen this article yet, this is one of the biggest pieces of trash that I have ever read. Yeah, this is pretty. Let's read some of the great like snippets, shall we? Yeah. Um, you can read the whole article. We'll put it on our show notes if you want. Uh, but let me read to you some of the great snippets that we have here. Um, As I consider Disney's new depiction of femininity in Captain Marvel, I cannot help but mourn. <laughs> I can't. I can't handle this guy. Go ahead, keep going. How far we've come since the days of Sleeping Beauty and Snow White. 
Because those, those are great examples <laughs> yeah. of women knowing, you know what? You need to be rescued by Prince Charming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the great drum roll of the previous Avenger movies led to this. A woman pr- protecting men <laughs> and saving the world. The, mighty, <laughs> the <laughs> mightiest of all Avengers, indeed after whom they are named, is the armed princess turned feminist queen who comes down from the tower to do what Prince Charming could not. <laughs> it's, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, here, let me read another section here. Um, I do not blame Marvel for inserting the trending feminist agenda into its universe. What else can this lucrative ideology, which contrasts so un- unapologet- unapologetically with reality, um, <laughs> go to be sustained, uh, if not to an alternate universe? Verse after verse, story after story, fact after fact, study after study, example after example dispels the myth of sameness between the sex. As I am I nitpicking? It is a movie after all. I wish it were. Instead of engaging the movie's ideology as mere fiction, a fun escape to another world, we have allowed it to bear deadly fruit on earth. Along with Disney, we abandon the traditional uh, princess vibe and seek to empower little girls everywhere to be strong like men. <gasps> what? I'm... We want women to be strong <laughs> like men? Cinderella trades her glass slipper for combat boots. Oh, Belle, Belle, <laughs> <laughs> Belle, her books for a bazooka. For <laughs> a bazooka? <laughs> Does this insanity bother us anymore? <laughs> oh my gosh, this this article is just awful. One of the worst takes that that you could have. Because here's here's what is crazy to me about this is that we're not even just talking about a woman being a pastor here. Obviously, yeah, yeah. we know where this guy would stand. Yeah, yeah. But we're just talking about a woman making a difference in the world in a fictional universe yeah. with superheroes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nowhere does it say in scripture that a superhero can only be a man. <laughs> um, we're in, we're talking about the same universe where a man is an ant man. Yeah, and he shrinks down to a, a guy who an turned ant. into a giant green Hulk. <laughs> a guy whose whose big weapon is a hammer. Yeah, from the gods. A, a guy does who, he know? That's blasphemy. <laughs> yeah, does a he guy, know a Thor? A guy who was bitten by a radioactive spider. I know, and can swing through the <laughs> the buildings in New York City. But this is the line. Yeah. This is the line. A woman who can fly a plane and a jet. And is super powerful. And and is su- and is more powerful than the radioactive spider guy. Yeah. And and She's the guy the with the magic hammer. The and the and a, a guy who turns into the hawk. What sort of message are we sending to our women? <laughs> that a woman No, it's not about the message. The problem is we're sending the wrong message to women and now the men. We're are being emasculated. Yeah, yeah. Like so, we don't know our place anymore. Yeah. Well, we can't do anything. We can't anymore. handle a strong woman. Yeah. Because they need to know we are the leaders. Yep. That we are more powerful. That we right. are stronger than them. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they need to be in their place. We will save you. Right. Right. And don't even try to challenge it. <laughs> don't even ask questions. You are made to be saved by us. Yes. You depend on us. You're you welcome. You can't save yourself. You're welcome. You can't. Yes. Stick to the glass slipper. <laughs> I'll wear the combat boots. <laughs> no need for you to to step up and try to be helpful or productive. <laughs> Just you, where you help is if you stay at home, make sure the house is clean and tidy. Yep, yep, get yep. the kids in bed. Yeah, be don't a, work and and wait for me to come home. Don't work. That was Adam's. Don't crime. work. That was Adam's penalty yep. for you have to bear the children and wait for me to come home so that <laughs> and 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 I'll take care of everything else. 
I don't, we don't need your help. This is pure trash and garbage, and I hate this article. I hate it with a passion. <laughs> let me see. Relevant Magazine talked about it a little bit. Let me read a little bit they're saying on it. It is exceedingly odd that Morse, who's the, who's the author, mm-hmm. is criticizing Disney for uh, co-towing to this new feminist agenda for women's equality instead of abiding by the traditional princess vibe by which he apparently means Disney movies that came out 20 years ago, which is true. Yeah. To him here, to him here tell it, Beauty and the Beast represents a gold standard of the ideal amount of women's liberation. <laughs> <laughs> and the past few years of Disney movies have gotten the balance all out of whack. I mean, you saw Moana. Yeah. There wasn't even any romance in that movie. Yeah. How did she get along in this she, world? She saved. Yeah. She saved, uh, what was The Rock's character's name? Uh, Maui. Yeah. Did she save him? She, or, she she was really the hero in it. Yeah, yeah. They kind of worked together a little bit. Yeah, they did work together, but she she had to convince e- equally. him. Equally. Yes, equally. Yeah, heaven forbid. <laughs> heaven forbid a woman equally does something that a man does. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just crazy. And like for, for, for him to go back and clamoring for Cinderella, like is absolutely insane. That was the golden age of the Bible oh, yeah. representation of women was that. Yeah. Cinderella and Cinderella Snow White. And Snow White, where where she was asleep, and the only way that she could be rescued was a kiss by a yeah. prince. Because what what could really happen here? The mm-hmm. danger that we're missing is that what if like women now started listening to like the army and stuff, <laughs> like because that could happen. She was a Air Force uh-huh. pilot, or whatever, and now all of a sudden women are gonna think like, man, they can actually like make a difference. <laughs> they could they could do like wait. Listen, you need to know your place. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I also saw, I don't know if you saw um, this picture that's floating around of uh, it's a little girl wearing a shirt that says like a nurse on the back and a little boy. Yeah, I did see that. It says, doctor. It says doctor. And then um, the caption was, isn't this cute? And Abby was like, no, it's more just pushing the stereotypes yeah, of like yeah. only women could be nurses, only right. men could be doctors. Right, right, right. It's insane. And uh, this whole idea to me drives me crazy and honestly it is it is embarrassing because this desiring god website is what a lot of people look at and form their opinion of christianity and christians and so you and i can often get lumped into this ideology yeah that we do not hold yeah and we do not believe and we and it makes me just as angry as anybody else yeah but we get lumped into this because we're christians well there's there's, and because we're pastors. There's so many examples of not only women leading stuff, yeah. but there's also examples of like women like fighting. Yes. For, like there's tons, and they listed some here. Um, there's a lot of times in the Bible, mm-hmm. we're talking about the Bible, that um, there's examples of women going out and fighting, going out and doing things. There's uh, the prophet Deborah, yeah. Judges 4, who was so fierce, her commander refused to go into combat without mm-hmm. her. Yeah. That's how fierce she was. She was yeah, so yeah. powerful. Yeah, there, yeah. There's Jael in the same chapter who assassinated one of Israel's enemies with a tent peg yeah. through the dough while he slept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like the leader of of the of their enemy's army. Yeah. What other examples? You know a bunch of examples. What other examples of women? Well, I mean, there are also like different prophets and, pro- and prophetess like uh, in, in the New Testament when we talk about Phoebe, we talk about uh, Priscilla, I believe is another one. There are different people who helped get the help get the early church started yep. by by being so heavily involved in the things that the disciples were doing and in, and in the way that the early church was getting going. I mean, it is it is absolutely amazing when people think that women can't 
If you, we're not even talking about. Remember, right now we're not even talking about women pastors. That's a whole nother topic. Yeah, we're just talking about women leading. Is, is in the, anything? Is this is the fear here? Because sometimes here's what some some things I I hear. Because we talk about women being pastors, and there are verses that make it seem like mm-hmm. women should not be in any leadership. That women should that men are head of that are spiritual yeah. head of the house. I could we could do a whole we could we could episode and we probably that. will one yes. day. Uh, because we've had actually had people ask about that, and so I understand why some people are on that side of things, mm-hmm. and and some of the things that people will talk about is well, pe- now Christianity is changing with culture because now women are now being brought up to a higher level. But first off, Jesus brought was the first person with any authority to yeah. bring women up to a higher level yep. to bring them equal. The old, the first one with any authority um, at a time where women were uh, men's property, yep. they were told that they that men and women should submit to each other. Mm-hmm. That verse that everyone pulls out, women submit to your husbands. Everyone's like, ah, that's a terrible verse. But the next verse, the verse before that says submit to each other. Yeah. The actual word submit is not found in the Greek, that verb. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's referring to the verse before it. Yeah. That's where it gets that word from. And then it tells men to love their love their wives like God loved the church. And it's like... And mean, that didn't happen. Yeah. Men back then were like, no, I don't need to do that. They are my property. Yeah. They, I don't have to love them. Right. They, so Jesus was the first one to bring them to, with any authority to bring them to a level. And now and now I think what people are worried about is where if you think that women should not be leaders and uh, you have biblical evidence for that, that we're changing with culture. It's like, well, then why don't you change with culture when it comes to homosexuality? Why don't you change with culture and other stuff? But first off, what, there's, it's not hurting anyone mm-hmm. that women are now – Doing power, doing their potential, yeah. their God-given potential. Yeah. Why, why is that so scary for us? Why is it so, something that's so mm-hmm. like worrisome that they are actually doing more now and doing more good and, and yeah. taking like I don't. What get is it. what is the threat here? Like what what is what is the problem that they will that they will grow and learn and have experiences and make a difference? Like what what is what is this guy scared of? Is what I'm. What is Greg Moore scared of with this article? Yeah. That 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 his daughters, I don't even know if he has kids or not, but like that our daughters, we have we have daughters, that our daughters will grow up and feel like they can actually make a difference. Yeah. Like what is it that that and, is the problem? And I understand there's and have somebody to look up to with morals and values. Yeah. Like Captain Marvel is a hero. Yeah. I understand she there's sacrifice. <laughs> she did things and put other people before herself. Yeah. That's I, the whole. It's I, I understand there's differences between men and women. I get it. Even though even that's like something that maybe people don't say, but I do believe there's difference between men and women. Doesn't mean that there, there's always that difference. That's mm-hmm. stereotyping it. But I think generally there are there are differences. Doesn't mean that those differences means that women cannot lead because yes. of those differences. In fact, I think that it's more important that um, that women are in different leaderships because mm-hmm. if if our church is run by a bunch of white males, mm-hmm. you know what's perspective we know. White male perspective. Yep. Like when it comes to preaching, I'll ask Michelle, our care outreach pastor, who mm-hmm. preaches on Sundays sometimes, um, and who is a pastor. Yep. I will ask her advice, like, "Hey, what are some feedback on stuff?" You know why? Because she knows how a female thinks. I don't know how a yep. female thinks. Yep. Um, so I, so it's you get to, we're we're leading as as pastors, we're leading an entire congregation to mm-hmm. say that only only males can lead an entire congregation, which is mostly women, anyways, because women tend to go to church more than men, anyways. Yeah, is just ridiculous yeah yeah and it's putting it's making contracts and putting people in boxes that we're not we don't even yeah. need to our our church board is intentionally split between half men and half women 
yeah. because I want multiple perspectives. I want to know what each person is thinking and what each person believes in a situation or what each person noticed in, in, in every situation. And it's one of the best decisions that we've ever made because we get so many voices that are helpful, extremely helpful. And we're not saying that that men can't, that men should not have any influence. Like that's what I think a lot of people are scared of. They think, oh, okay, so now I just need to shut up and just let the women do everything, and I, I have no say. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. What we're saying, what we're saying is, we're all equal. And I'm also not a fan of like, because you're a woman now, you get a certain role because we need to make yep. sure we're we're also equal all the time or, or that kind of stuff. I'm all for the best person to get the best job. I'm, yeah. I'm for that stuff. But um, let me read to you the, how this closes. Yeah. Um, and then and, we got to get to our interview. Yeah, because and we honestly we should do a, an episode just on this and have maybe like a female come in and talk instead of us two white. Yeah, males. that might be a good idea. <laughs> two white males tell everybody why. <laughs> yeah. um, anyways, that, that's kind of being hypocritical. Uh, let me read to you the last paragraph of this article, and then um, Shane will let you introduce yeah. our interview. Um, now, not like not liking Captain Marvel doesn't automatically mean you're opposed to women's equality. That's a good point. Plenty of people didn't care for the movie. And liking it doesn't automatically make you a feminist ally. But with all the men who tried to sabotage the movie on Rotten Tomatoes before it came out, which did happen, yeah, it's one of the movies that like Rotten Tomatoes scores really high and the audience score is super low. Yeah, like same they have in the Ghostbusters, eighty five percent, but then it's like a twenty percent mm-hmm. audience review. It's ridiculous. Um, before it came out, threatened the star Brie Larson on social media. And now, in this case, criticized it for making women too equal. It's hard to not at least appreciate... Too equal. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to not at least appreciate the moment a little, whatever your feelings on the movie itself. It's continuing a long overdue push of outdated ideas about women further into the margins and confirming something generations of women have have always known. They're heroes too. <laughs> so um, we'll put a link to, to the relevant article yeah. and we'll put a link to... The Desiring God. The Desiring God one, yeah. and you really want to read the whole thing. Um, Dude, read it. Read it because it's a really good laugh. <laughs> you can you can really... It'll it'll brighten your day to know that there are people who have this view in the world. Yeah. Anyways, oh, go ahead. Uh, let's get to our... So this this has nothing to do with our with our interview today, <laughs> but it was something that we felt like we really needed to talk about because it all is happening right now. But um, today, we actually have the privilege of, uh, of having an interview with my mentor and my boss for many years... Who, who I've talked about many times on the podcast is uh, Pastor Kevin Hardy. And uh, Pastor Kevin uh, hired me when I was 18, 19 years old and had me on staff. I worked as a youth pastor under him for the for almost 10 years. And um, uh, he is the one who uh, planted City on a Hill, the mother church who planted City on a Hill, who gave us some funding and really, really, really uh, get, had a such a major hand in us getting started. Mm-hmm. Now, he's moved on from being a, a lead pastor to being a district superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene. So what that means is he is now in charge of pastors. Yeah. So there's a district, there, the whole country, or actually the whole world is broken up into different districts in the Church of the Nazarene. And he's Most up in Michigan. that way, too. Most nominations. And he is in charge of the Michigan district. And so he has... A ton of pastors. He can give us the exact. So he's number. not your boss anymore. He's not he? my boss anymore. Well, he's still a DS though, so yeah. we still have to follow DS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. 
um, but he's he's not he's not my DS anymore. Yeah. But I call him regularly and talk to him on the phone regularly, and I ask him questions. And uh, whenever I'm in a pinch or I'm trying to figure things out, I don't know where to go. He's a guy that that I always turn to and been a huge influence in my life. And so uh, he we asked him if he would like to come on and talk to us about church planting from the mother church perspective because we've talked often about yeah. our view and what it was like as an actual church planter and he has a little bit different different view it's, and a different it's easy for us to talk about why you should plant churches when we're the ones that are being planted yeah yeah <laughs> but why you should give us money yeah and support us but he has a great perspective of why you the church mm-hmm. or the church you're part of should plant other churches yep. and why you should sacrifice your your people, your finances, in order to plant another church, and then what happens when you do that, and how God blesses it. And under his leadership, Crossroads Church, which is where I worked, and that was where um, uh, Pastor Kevin was the lead pastor of, under his leadership, Crossroads planted three churches, and Connections, where you worked at as a youth pastor, was one of them. And he started our process of planting us, too, Mm -hmm. so... yeah. So he had a heavy hand and impact, for sure. So, well, let's get to our interview with uh, Kevin Hart. Pastor Kevin, a guy who I've worked with for a long time and uh, spent a lot of time with. So, Pastor Kevin, say hi, introduce yourself, give everybody a little bit of an update as to where you are at currently, and uh, maybe a little bit of history or background into into your life. Awesome. Well, it's great to be with these two incredible, incredible men, I'll tell you. It's uh, <laughs> time. I've been waiting to get on this podcast forever, you know, so I'm finally glad it's, I'm finally Finally it's it's Shane's it. fault. I'm telling you it's Shane's fault. I told him a while ago, hey, we should get him on to talk about the stuff we're going to talk about today. He's like, oh, I'll get it. It's <laughs> it's nothing against Pastor Kevin. It's I don't do much with the podcast it, at all. Is this what you had to deal with when he worked with you? <laughs> oh, it was, it was much better than this, I hope. <laughs> he does nothing for this. Anyways, sorry. Go, sorry to interrupt. So anyways, uh, you know, it's a joy. I, it, these these two guys were, uh, were just uh, little youngsters at the church that mm-hmm. I pastored for many years at Crossroads. Mm-hmm. And uh, pastored Crossroads for 17 years from 2000 to 2017. And um, it was just great to watch them grow up from, um, you know, headbangers in the basement <laughs> playing music that would just drive me absolutely crazy. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> just, you know, I mean, I used to go downstairs and say, what in the world are you guys even playing down here? I understand the music, uh-huh. the screamo stuff. I was like, can you tell me the words to make sure that it's not like, you know, uh-huh. It was a free place to practice. Which yeah, awesome. and you still let us do it. Yeah, I know, incredible. So the fact that you guys grew into great men is just a a miracle. <laughs> that is true. So so where are you at now, and and what are I you am, doing now? I am in Michigan. So I'm a district superintendent in Michigan, a place that I'd never thought I'd ever live. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, here I am, a year and a half into this uh, into this new life. Um, you know, Jane and I and Weston are living. Um, in a place called Grand Ledge, Michigan, and um, I, I oversee 70 churches on the Michigan district, and really trying to help, you know, turn our district around and trying to, um, 
you know, reach lost people for Christ and, mm-hmm. and take some, a lot of the things that I learned as a pastor over 25 years of pastoring and really planting churches. I'm trying to instill into, you know, into 70 churches and trying to, you know, to get something, you know, happening. It's h- much harder, I'll tell you, on this side than it was as a senior pastor. So, yeah, that sounds uh, like a nightmare to me <laughs> to, to be in charge of 70 churches. Like, I'm in charge of 100 or trying to pastor like about 100 people of a church. I'm like, man, 70 churches and 70 pastors? That sounds. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's really, I don't really oversee them. I really only take care of things that, you know, that Mm -hmm. fall apart or transitions, you know, every local Nazarene church, you guys are both Nazarene pastors, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you really take care of your own, your own flock, you know, you are the leaders and, um, you know, district superintendents are only there when, you know, when, um, when you absolutely need them. And um, so that's where we're there. But I try to instill, encourage, inspire, um, you know, I try to, uh, instruct, give advice, you know, and help churches to maximize their, their kingdom potential. So, mm-hmm. um, and then trying to just get them to think beyond themselves, you know, trying to think beyond, you know, their own little kingdoms to think about building, you know, expanding the kingdom of God beyond our own churches, which is, you know, sometimes, you know, it's really, really difficult to get them to think yeah. that way, you know, to give away money and people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're so, trying as much money and as many people as possible. So, right. so you're you were one of the first that I remember big like people that were pushing church planning. What got you to the point where you went from just being a pastor of your church to now be like we should think about planting another church, which is literally yeah. give like you said you give away money and people and resources to go and say go somewhere else, and then it's not a satellite church; it's a church plan, as in. In like two or three years, you're on your own. Mm-hmm, um, right. So, what? How was that journey from just worrying about your church at Crossroads to figure out how we're going to start planning this church and, and why did you start going in that direction? Right, that's a great question because it really happened by accident. I <laughs> did not intentionally try to plant churches. Actually, my only thought was grow the church that I pastored as big as possible, mm-hmm. reach as many people as possible, disciple many as people as possible. It was all about church growth, church growth, church growth. And um, and then in 2005, four, five, six, I can't remember, it all kind of mm-hmm. runs together now. You know, we, we went through a, a difficult time at Crossroads. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a, um, your youth pastor actually, mm-hmm. who's I love to death, uh, Steve Slifker. I uh, really wanted to um, start his own church, and um, it was something that um, you know wasn't really planned. It was something that was in his heart and his mind, mm-hmm. and um, so I said, "Hey, well, let's do this together." And um, mm-hmm. you know, he launched out. We planted it on Saturday night. We yeah, anybody wanted to go with him, we allowed to go, and I think we it was sort of like I think we gave him like thirty thousand dollars you know initial mm-hmm. startup clock cost and then we kind of gave him a little bit of money each year after that I think it was like I don't know fifteen thousand and ten thousand I can't remember the exact yeah. numbers and then um, you know and that that church today is a live community church which is still functioning mm-hmm. today Steve's actually still the pastor there yep. you know and, um, and um, you know I don't know how it's doing but you know that was the beginning of it. And then Pastor AJ, who was our children's pastor at the time, worked with with um, planting that church. And then he really felt led to plant another church. And I said, hmm, 
that didn't that you know we didn't do that really well this first time it was mm -hmm. sort of i didn't know what i was doing and you know we were just kind of doing it we did it on a saturday night sort mm -hmm. of you know um actually in the same school as where city on a hill is yeah yeah that's where our live started yeah you know that actually we started there you know um so we uh, so city on a hill was uh was i mean um connections was mm -hmm. our second one and we try to do it much more intentionally so we we um we said, okay, let's instead of just giving them money, we raised the money, the startup cost, and then we tried to pay all the expenses in the first year of the of the church plan, so mm -hmm. that they didn't have any any expense at all. All of the expenses were covered by the mother church, and we paid Pastor AJ's salary. Mm -hmm. He did both jobs. He was serving as family pastor and church planter at the same time for the first year. So yeah. he's on staff serving and then Saturday night planting a church. And then after a year, we we um, we let that go. They had a nest egg of money after a year, and then they started paying their own bills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, so, and so, so the first church plant was kind of, you just walked into it, not really yeah. planning it. The second one, you, you weren't planning to plant another church, and then AJ came and said that he was interested in doing yes. this. And then you said, well, let's be intentional about it then. Exactly. Gotcha. Let's learn from what we did the first time. Let's try to do it better the second time. Mm -hmm. I think we were much better at that. Um, and then, you know, they, they started out in the basement of Crossroads yep. meeting on Saturdays. You know, we had a Saturday night service going on at Crossroads at the same time. Mm -hmm. They were meeting, so they were working on their core team. And then they launched publicly in over in um, Arbutus, yep. um, where it's still happening today. Yeah, yep. right outside of Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, you know— um, yeah. Eric, you were on staff there yep. with uh, with Shane, so you were. I mean, with um, AJ, so you were part of that process. So, I think the second one went better because we were able to put more resources in it and more people into it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Here's what I've learned: if you, the more resources and the more people you can put into the beginning, the greater success that church plant has the opportunity of being. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. if you start off like you know, I've got some like people who say, well, let's plant a church, and you give them no money and no people. Mm -hmm. yeah. And say, okay, God bless you. Go do your thing. You know, yeah, yeah. what's going to happen to that church? It's you know, nine times out of ten, it's probably going to fail. Yeah, but isn't it like most most church plants don't make past the first three years? Yeah, yeah. And it's because exactly. if you're not supported financially enough or the people, like, because even like the alive, which you kind of walked into almost. Um, right. Thirty thousand is what I think. What you said. That's not a lot to no. start. Not a lot. No. So so then learning from that. Okay, if we really wanted to be successful, because you don't want to plan a church for it to fail in three years, what do right. we have to do? So learning from that, and then the way you did connections, because I was part of that, where we yeah. had a big nest egg because you paid all our bills and our startup costs for a year. So everything we brought in just went to a savings account. Mm -hmm. Was a right. huge way to make it where it's still going today, eight years later. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so that that nest egg is really important because the second year the church plan has an opportunity to say, okay, what was our income? Mm -hmm. What are our expenses? Yeah. They can actually build a budget for the second yeah. year because you have an idea of what it's going to cost you, right. and you have a reserve to really help you. Yeah. And then we gave additional resources the second and third year to connections beyond that that they could use at their at their disposal. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So and then. Both churches, Alive and Connections and City on a Hill, mm -hmm. all three churches were able to organize within a year or two. In mm -hmm. other words, they became they became their own church. They were separate from Crossroads, had their own boards, 
had their own pastor, mm-hmm. had their own, you know, bank accounts, their own tax ID, all that tax, stuff. Tax ID, all that stuff was, you know, done really quickly. So mm-hmm. it was able to do that. So, um, so the third one was City on a Hill, and which that's was a where mistake. We, which was a mistake. <laughs> I think was our best one. You know. <laughs> but you know, some of the pitfalls that happened. I'll tell you from the mother church perspective. Yeah. You know, planting a church is exciting. But the worst day for a mother church is when you launch publicly, mm-hmm. and the best day for a church plant is when you launch publicly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you launch publicly, like for example, when we launched City on a Hill, it was on Easter Sunday, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll never forget it. There was all this excitement. We had worked really hard to, mm-hmm. you know, as a church to try to bring as many people as possible, get a large crowd there, and all those people that we sent to City on a Hill we're not at crossroads now. They were like people we loved, yeah, you know, we yeah. loved our youth pastor. We loved all the people mm-hmm. and like they were gone and we're like, well, now we're kind of left. So there's a little grieving process that, ha- that happens in the mother church yeah. where you just sense this sense of loss and the, and the, all the excitement seems to be at the church plant. I yeah. mean, they're just flying, you know, mm-hmm. they're like lost people, reach yeah. people for Christ. You know, it's just exciting. It's mm-hmm. new. And then afterwards, you know, about six months later, you know, the mother church has recovered a little bit emotionally. And, you know, some of the church planning, oh, man, it was better back at that mother church. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's kind of set up and take down all the time. Yeah, so. it's kind of like when when a parent sends their kids off to college, right? Like there's yeah. all this excitement to the first day of going off to college by themselves. But for the parent, that's the toughest day. You sent you sent your kids off to college. So, you know exactly. what that's like, right? It's terrible <laughs> it's terrible right and you're crying and you're so sad but for the for the kid the first yeah. day at school away from their parents away from home it's like amazing we could do whatever we want yeah <laughs> and then i'll say like oh i gotta do my own laundry now yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. until they have to start paying their own bills and then they get like yep, oh exactly. this is not so good <laughs> wait a second <laughs> yeah uh, yeah for sure so you know the, i think the biggest thing that happened i mean when i think back to like connections you know, I always felt like, you know, after we launched it publicly, I always I always felt like this little sense of um, of, um, you know, protectionism. Sometimes the church plant gets a little a little like, you know, we don't want to tell our story too much that we are from like this, like the mother church, because we're afraid that people that we reach will go back to that church. Mm-hmm. And so there's a little protectionism that happens. There's a little jealousies that happens. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of, you know, and then the mother church has people going, well, those people that we just gave all that money to and people do, they don't even appreciate us anymore. Yeah. Yeah, they don't even tell a story anymore. So the mother church gets a little bit of an attitude as well. Mm-hmm. And so really trying hard to try to work together to be kingdom minded is really, really something. I think Shane and I did a really good job mm-hmm. of trying to say, you know what? We're going to be intentional about this. We're not going to try to allow this kind of territorial protectionism to really yeah. spin to our core groups and allow this to become a, a negative thing on either e- either churches because yeah. we're a part of the same thing. And it, it, it starts from the top, which is what you were just kind of saying for both of you. If you guys model that of of not fighting with each other, not territorial, then it'll go that yeah. way. But while you're talking, and, why, and I'm sure some people that are listening, especially pastors that are listening, are probably thinking this too, um, why in the world would you do that? 
Like, why would you give up so much money, so many people, and and your board is now like, well, they don't even appreciate it. Like, all this the stuff. The best youth pastor in the world that you've ever <laughs> yeah, had. Maybe that's, why would you give them up? <laughs> maybe that's why. <laughs> but yeah. why, why, as a church, why would you go that route? Why wouldn't you um, use that money? Because you spent a lot of money for all those churches. That's a lot of money you used. You could have used that to do a satellite mm-hmm. church or to build a bigger yeah. building. Just an idea of what he actually, what Crosswood actually gave for, for City on the Hill. Our startup cost was like $100,000. Yes. And then, and that's not even including the first year of, of ministry that, that was paid for, operation costs. So yeah. all, when it's all said and done, it was probably about one hundred eighty grand. You got paid a, around 120000 a year. Salary. No, yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So then you really get up there. So why in the world would a church should should a church do? Why would you do it? Because when you when the ultimate 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 reason is that the kingdom of God expands. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about the greater impact that if you take if you take crossroads alive connections city on a hill and i will even put impact in there yeah. mm-hmm. your church yeah. in there and you put those churches combined impact that it's having upon the community at large because all of those churches are within 10 minutes of each other mm-hmm. you know 15 minutes of each other you yeah. can drive to them so they're relatively close together but the greatest impact is you look at the the impact of lost people coming to christ making more disciples and having a greater impact with light in darkness, salt on the earth, it's much better than anything we could have done. I added up one time on Easter Sunday, if yeah. we combined all of the church attendance for Easter Sunday, Crossroads would have never grown to that place in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the 15, 17 years I was there. It would have never happened. If we had told it on all the money, we might have had a nicer facility. I might have had one more one more staff member that was on board. Mm-hmm. Um, we might have had a little less debt, but we would have had less people in the kingdom of God. Yeah, and I think that too many pastors they don't take they don't take the kingdom principles of in the sense of planting a seed and letting it grow and blossom. What happens to that seed? Mm-hmm. It multiplies. Mm-hmm. You know. And um, you you develop more leaders. You have more people involved in ministry. You have um, you have greater influence. And now you two guys are actually producing leaders. Mm-hmm. We have more people in, that are called to ministry as a result of that. More people involved in ministry. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. And now that I go to a district like Michigan, and um, when I got here, for example, they they had. Every church on the Michigan district, there's, there were 75 churches when I got here. 73 of them started prior to 1950. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Only two churches have been started since 1950. Wow. Okay. We're talking 70 years. Yeah. The first 50 years of, their, of our existence, they planted 75 congregations. <laughs> the impact. The last 10 years in the Michigan district, the district has been declining for 10 years straight. Mm-hmm. Man. Last year, I closed five churches. Yeah. We went from 75 to 70. This year, I'm closing two more churches. We're going to go to 68. And there are 12 churches right now on our district that are going to die within the next five years. Hmm. Why do I know that? There are no children, no teenagers, and everybody is 70 and is older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're not yeah. reproducing ourselves. A, a church has a lifespan in it. 
Every one of them. You guys are in the front end of our lifespan. Yeah. Where growth and excitement is just up, 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 up. Mm-hmm. But at some point it levels off. And if a church doesn't, if it doesn't recreate itself again, redream itself, re-envision itself, what happens is it goes, it gets on the downward decline. And the further it gets on the downward decline, the harder it is to turn that baby around. Yeah. 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 The best things I can do right now is just have a proper burial for the churches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but, but we're in the situation we're in because nobody thought about planting. Everybody's thought about growing. Yeah. Yeah. So nobody prays about the next community. Nobody's thinking about taking their best leaders and mm-hmm. launching out brand new ministries. They're all about holding on, holding on, holding on, getting bigger. Right. And, that does not work well for the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you you would say all the time when when we were working together that momentum is your best friend or your worst enemy. If the yeah. mo- if momentum's going in the right direction, things feel like it can be easier. You're going with the with the stream. You're going with the water, and and you've got all this momentum with you. But if you're trying to sw- swim upstream, oh, that's a headache. It's a headache. It's big time a headache. And And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And when you start having the place where you have no visitor flow, you've got nobody getting saved, no baptisms that are going on, and all you're trying to do is figure out how to keep the people you've got, you've got a scarcity mindset, Mm -hmm. and soon all you can think about is hanging on. Yeah, yeah. When you start hanging on, it is just, it's like drudgery to do church. Right, right. So, so for for you, from your perspective of of being a, 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 the the mother church perspective of three different church plants, mm-hmm. and you've learned so many different things, would it be something that you would do again? Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm tell, and I'm trying to take that model that that I that I sort of fell upon, mm-hmm. and we kind of you know kind of honed in on over the last ten years at Crossroads. And I'm trying to duplicate it in other places. I'm trying yeah. to say this is possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I have right now 12 churches in our district that I believe could multiply this year. Yeah, yeah. The question is, can I get a pastor to say I'm I willing to give my <laughs> best? And here's what you got to do to plant a church: you got to give your best away, mm-hmm. not your worst. Mm-hmm. You got to give your best leader. You know, mm-hmm. you guys were top of the top leaders. You know, mm-hmm. AJ was a top leader. Pastor Steve was a top leader. Mm-hmm. They were all very good associate pastors leading great ministries and expanding the kingdom of God They were where they were. And mm-hmm. they, they, had, they had learned their skills, learned their talents, honed their abilities, and now were ready to launch out on their own. If a, if a church is not willing to give away their best, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen. So it, mm-hmm. it, it can't happen without that because church planting, as you guys know, is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hard to do. You know, you're trying to do something, but it's exciting. But when you have, when you, if you've got the resources behind you mm-hmm. and you've got a core team around you, man, that gives you the energy and the excitement to want to adventure out to do something that's never been done before. Yeah, yeah. The freedom that, that we felt knowing that. Okay, if we stumble anywhere along the line here, that we have a safety net and crossroads. Like mm-hmm. you, you said when you planted us, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not in the business of just trying to plant a small struggling church that right. is just trying to tread water. Right. You, you said we're, we want to plant a church that is thriving and successful, that is winning people over for Christ. Amen. And and I knew that the whole time. So the whole time we're doing ministry. 
I wasn't scared to try different things because I knew, okay, I've got, I've got, I've got Patrick Kevin behind me. I've got Crossroads behind me. And if I need help, if we need help, they're there right. for us, right? right? And that's the same thing like in life for a lot of us with our parents. Mm-hmm. When your parents are there supporting you, like we, I know now at 31, if I, mm. if I were struggling and if I couldn't pay my bills, my parents would be there to help me. I don't right. ever want to go down that road, right. and I haven't <laughs> gone down there, but yeah. I know that that is a real thing right now, and not everybody has that, and, exactly. and that can be a scary thing, but it is a really freeing thing when, when you understand that. Yeah. Um, are, how do you push that vision of to, to the church you're trying to push it to, or even to your board, let's say, who I'm sure were like, why are we doing all this? How do you push that vision? You told us why you do it, right? But everyone will say, yeah, yeah, we want to grow the kingdom, but but how, how do you get how everybody you else on board? Yeah, how do, you, yeah. How, how do you find a way, if you're a pastor, to push that vision to your board and to push it in ways that they are like, okay, we, let's actually do this. Even though it's going to hurt, Mm-hmm. Going to be sacrificed. Going to give away our best because business-wise, it makes no sense. Yeah, none. Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, right now, that's what I've been doing for the last year and a half. Of I've been telling the story. Mm-hmm. I tell the story. I tell the story. I tell the story. And um, you know, probably in Michigan, they're probably really sick of hearing about City on the Hill and they're <laughs> hear about about connections and mm-hmm. stuff. But the only thing I have is to tell the story. You yeah. know. And um, so I tell the story. The good news is my largest church um, took the model mm-hmm. and embraced it completely. And they are launching a brand new church in Jackson, Michigan in um, 2019. Oh, that's awesome. They gave away one of their very best associate pastors. Mm-hmm. They have a core team of 80 people right now. Wow. That's um, great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a church of 1,600. Are they going to miss 80 people? No. Yeah. You know, it's not even going to, they're, they're losing some people who do good ministry there. But here's what happens in a larger church people who are sitting on the sidelines step into those ministries, right. mm-hmm. you know, and they become part of that. I remember back at Connections, we gave away some of all of our best musicians. Yeah. Went to Connections. Yeah, and Aunt Pastor Amy, who was our, our minister of music at the time, she was like, "Well, where did all our best people go?" I yeah. was like, "On the street." Yeah, <laughs> it was Don Roderick and mm-hmm. and Dale and and um, yeah, great and people, Eva and you know and and um, me, Summer, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, it was all those people, and and so you know. But today, Crossroads has more musicians than they could ever imagine. Yeah. Some of the best musicians are, you know, that I look at and I go, wow, they actually don't have a worship pastor right now and are rotating people mm-hmm. on worship teams like it's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. You give away, and guess what happens? Mm-hmm. You actually get so much back in return. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And so I tell that story, and I tell the story. So I've got one church that's doing it, and hopefully, you know, Lord willing, it's mm-hmm. going to be a success. I believe it's going to be. And then we're going to duplicate that story again. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do some other things to partner along the district, mm-hmm. you know, to say we're going to take district funds and invest it in church yeah. plants as well. So, you know, I'm going to, in other words, I'm going to try to model at the district level what I want local churches to do. Yeah. Um, and and my prayer is that this year we'll launch five churches. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, that's that would be my you know my desire right uh, and uh, we got a lot of work to make that happen mm-hmm. but um you know it's 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 
it's it, it's possible. Yeah. Can you talk about where Crossroads was before you planted Alive, the first church plant, to where Crossroads was by the time you you had you left and moved on to become a district superintendent, and really where Crossroads is now? Um, yeah. You could talk about that as well. What what is the difference? So from the time of you before you planted any churches to planting three churches, giving yeah. away a lot of money and resources, what happened at Crossroads in that span? Well, the good news is that Crossroads was, was you know, when, when we launched Alive, Crossroads was on a growth, it was on a growth increase. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was always reaching people. Um, and every time we planted a church, you know, we'd take a little downward, just a slight downward trend in our mm-hmm. morning worship attendance and our, you know, discipleship attendance. But it would it would be within a year it would it would bump up beyond that and be you know mm-hmm. we would almost double what we gave away yeah you know every single time you you can look at the graph it would be like boop 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 you yeah. know and so I mean at the end when when I left when we were you know the year that you pl- went public mm-hmm. you were still part of Crossroads for one year mm-hmm. so all of your statistics were included in Crossroads statistics. And then when you became organized, you broke away and you started your own. So when you broke away, we took that little dip that happened. Now, the difference was that I ended up resigning. Yeah. <laughs> so that church went into a little bit of a, of a transition there as a leader. And that happens in any church, not just because I left, because any church that goes through transition is going to have a little, you know, downward trend a little bit. So but, you know, I mean, we were running like 750 people. Mm-hmm. And um, I think when we started uh, alive, we were running like two seventy five. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that's oh. a tremendous growth over planting three churches and giving people away, going and, from two seventy five oh. to yeah. seven seven fifty on a right. weekly attendance is well, unbelievable. We talk about it on Sunday mornings too. Whenever we give sermons about tithing, what's what verse we use a lot? In Malachi three ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Test me and watch me fl- open the floodgates. Yeah. We tell our congregation that you should do that, but then we'll go well. But we're not. Yeah. Gonna, I mean, we're not going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we want you to do it, <laughs> right? And I, that's what I say to my pastors. I say the same principle that you teach your people mm-hmm. to run their personal finances is the same principle you should be willing to do in the local church. Absolutely, you know. Yeah, and um, and and so it's it's, but it's it's a big pill to swallow. I realize, you know, you know, Crossroads was a unique place because it was in a high income. Mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. you know there is a there's there's quite a bit of dollars in Howard County you know yeah. um and um and people were willing to give it away you know i've got some churches that you know i mean their their total income is you know for the whole year is $50,000 yeah you know and or less you know and the pastor is you know working you know a full-time job and pastoring at the same time you know yeah. so um but you know how can we get smaller churches to partner together? Mm-hmm. You know, look at look what happened at Impact. I mean, your story is amazing, yeah. um, Eric. How you you didn't have a mother church like Shane did, mm-hmm. but you you know the plan was before I left you were going to be our next church plant, but that didn't you know didn't kind of materialize. Yeah. At least in my own mind, it was my plan. Yeah. You know um, that we were going to do that, but ultimately it didn't it didn't go that way. But God still you still had a dream and a vision mm-hmm. and you still 
shared the vision and had a district that came alongside of you mm-hmm. and were able then to um, pull resources together to launch. And those and some of those smaller churches like you were talking about, we ended up having 14 churches support the church plant. So wow. 14 churches planted us. Mm-hmm. So wow. those churches that couldn't couldn't give, like like you guys ever seen on the Hill, they yeah. could maybe sacrifice $10,000, though. Yeah. Like, they could do that, and they could yeah. give some people. So, And some of those 14 churches were Connections, yep. City on a Hill, and Crossroads, yeah. Yeah. which were all planted <laughs> from Crossroads. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, so it doesn't... You, you might have to adjust the model of it, but right. no matter who you are, if you're a church, if you're a pastor now, and you're like, well, I only have 150 people coming to this church, I can't plan a church. You could be part of planting a church. You could partner yes. with a bunch of other churches, and together yep. they could plant. Because when we started doing it this way, mm-hmm. I would meet other pastors, and a lot of them would say, hey, we should do this like every three years. We should do yeah. it again. We should do it again. Like, yeah, I'm on. I'm in. Let's do it again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so that's that's a way you can go about... You don't, It's just hard to think about, like, it's scary to think about giving away right. and to doing that, especially if you're a smaller church. But mm-hmm. if we trust that God will provide and our ultimate goal is to expand the kingdom, not our kingdom, the kingdom, right. mm-hmm. then we need to find ways to push out and, and outreach and push that out. And it might be part of other churches to plant another church in an area that we need to, because you never know what's going to happen. And I believe, just like you said, that God is going to open the floodgates when yeah. you do that and pour out so much blessing on us when you do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think going back to City on a Hill, Shane, remember when we first started talking about planting City on a Hill, mm-hmm. one of the things you and I talked about was that we wanted right in the very beginning the dna of the of the core group yeah was the idea that city on a hill would plant a church yep yep and and you talk about that a little bit mm-hmm. yeah. yeah we had this that's exactly right and and that was more i did not come up with that you came up with that and i was like oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like yeah you're right uh but i it's intimidating like before we even planted to think about planting yeah. is yeah. is an intimidating thing to do and i remember sharing it with the crossroads board with you yeah. And even the board was like, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like, we need to think about this. Let's be, you know, it's great. Like, we're behind it. But one step at a time, and, right. our, and our thought process was, if we're going to do this, we have to plan for it. Yeah. You know, if, it's not like if, if your church has never thought about church planting, it's not like you can go into your board meeting this month and then be like, hey, we're going to plant a church. Right. Like, it's exactly. going to take time and effort yeah. and a yeah. lot a lot of work that goes into it. And so that's what we were trying to build into it, where we always knew our, our expectation and our DNA was we were given so much. We were right. blessed with so much. And just as Jesus and God blesses us, we should bless others. City on a Hill should bless others, and right. every church should bless others. So that right. was built in, and, and we, I have to preach that constantly, because what I've discovered, Pastor Kevin, is that even for a church plant, it's easy for that mentality to go away. Yes, yeah. It's easy exactly. to become like this. Yes. This is now my stuff now. Mm-hmm. Every right. church's natural inclination, I feel like, is do that. Yeah. We all yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, re- that's really the thing that I probably—, probably fight more and more as I talk about church planning is resistance mm-hmm. from people who are just holding on and they have an ownership mentality yeah. that this is my church. These are my people. These are my, this is our money. Exactly. Yeah. And, and without thinking about giving it away. And that's, 
You know, there's no way to church plant unless you're going to give it away. Mm-hmm. There's no way yep. unless somebody's going to be the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. If the, if the church is not willing to give it away, then the only way you can plant a church is a church planter to be willing to go out and sacrifice himself, mm-hmm. his family, and and probably his emotional well-being to do it all on his own. Yeah. 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 And that's <laughs> tough. <laughs> That's and, tough. And that's not really healthy. <laughs> no. no, it's not really healthy. And the failure rate is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. it's just, it's really, it's really, I mean, it's nice to say, hey, you want a church plant? God bless you. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. I'll pray for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. prayer is great, but man, let me tell you something. When you're out there and you got to pay the bills and you're trying to start a church, you need money. Yeah. And you need people. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, to go, to go back to our story, um, when it came to us planting churches, we got 14 churches that supported us. I met with a lot more than 14 churches. Wow. And some that were a lot bigger than some of the churches that decided. And like, well, like City on a Hill was the, for the first year, they, no one gave more than City on a Hill. And they had been going for two years. And I met with churches of 500, 600. I met with big churches that weren't going to give anything. So right. if it's not in your DNA and your mindset, so right. that's something we're already like, I'm, I'm telling our congregation and our board, Hey, we're going to plant a church for the next five years. We will not, and it, and if it, we have to choose between a building and planting a church, we will plant a church first. Because mm-hmm. yeah. in the next five years, God is, we are always going to be planting church. We're never going to sacrifice that vision for something that we want. And Amen. and and I believe that God's going to bless us. I don't know, necessarily mean that that's going to result in now we're going to be a four hundred person church. I don't think God always blesses that way. But um, if we're if I'm going to preach it, we need to also act it out. Absolutely. So we're already in the process of trying to figure out. Okay, how do we start this next whatever the yeah. next one is? How do we do it? Mm-hmm. Because it's a mindset, and it's you have to constantly remind your team and yourself. Because <laughs> yeah. and yeah. and then I I've also found that our team supports it too when mm-hmm. they know it. And when I start to feel like, well, we need to be a little careful, then they can also support it back to me. Yeah. So it's it's just constantly reminding it and pushing that vision, which is not easy to do, but always vision casting that. Yeah, absolutely. That's so. good. And mm-hmm. boy, if you guys can do that, I mean, that's that's huge. And if you could keep that in the DNA, think mm-hmm. about your church 50 years from now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's on its fourth and fifth pastor. Yeah. You know? And it's going to outlive both of you, and mm-hmm. and and that DNA could be in the in the in the people so much that it does that. But every every generation's got to pick up the ball and run with it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, well, Pastor Kevin, we really appreciate you taking some time and hanging out with us, and I appreciate all that you've done for me and my life, and for City on a Hill, and, and for, for us, impact yeah. for Eric as well. And uh, it was always such a privilege to work and do ministry with you, and it was um, it was so cool to to see the work that God has done from. Th- from when you first arrived in Ellicott City at Crossroads, and you've had so you know other ministry opportunities beyond that, but uh, it's been it was a privilege to work with you and still work with you, and I thank you for for all that you've invested and done. Well, hey, I'm so proud of both of you. Like I say, and I watch you guys constantly from a distance. I listen to you online all the time. <laughs> and sometimes li- he's not loving it, but sometimes- <laughs> this podcast is so much fun. It really is. I drive a lot now, and uh-huh. I, I live on podcasts. 
Yeah. And you guys keep me awake many days. <laughs> awesome. Sometimes I want to throw myself right into the radio. I'm like, what are you saying? Yeah. You're not the only one who said that to us before. <laughs> so, but we miss you. We miss seeing you out. And we're glad that you're out in Michigan doing some great work out there. But uh, seriously, thank you for, for investing in the next generation and for investing in, in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So you've always modeled that. And we, we really, we really appreciate that. Hey, thanks so much. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review. To support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash nymchristianpodcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.